You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Robert, I should mention, I have a friend in uh, Ukraine uh, named Nadia Vasina. She has popped on a couple of times. And she was, you know, kind of a, a mid-level, maybe higher uh, media star in Ukraine, but but on kind of like MTV, you know, she she was kind of a fun person who she'd won beauty pageants and she was a gymnast and spent a lot of time in Chicago. Her English was pretty good, and so I, I, she would send me these photos, and she was doing what you were doing about following up and going to the front lines and bringing supplies. And I, I at one point I was given. I was speaking on a board or something like that, and they they wanted to give me five hundred dollars. I said I don't need it, so give it to her, and I signed it over to her. and And uh, and that little bit went a long way to buy bandages and other stuff. But I remember the it, she, I was trying to see the last photo she sent me, which was uh, I mean she looked like Rick Moranis in Spaceballs with this helmet, you know, she's just this <laughs> giant helmet on her, uh, but. I, this, that was my impression. It was like everybody was pitching in, and people that had no business doing that, you know. And, and as soon as the bombs dropped in Kiev, and part of the building next to her got hit, she was out there taking video and sending it to me the next day. And it's very interesting. So, I, what's that like? Is there is it the same thing that in your experience for the countries you've been in in the Middle East? Uh, no. Well, first of all, Ukraine is a massively huge place, right? Right. So it's, it's, when you see the bombs exploding and the artillery, yes, they happen in uh, certain places, but it's a very, very large country, and life goes on. You know, if you go to the main cities, the restaurants are open, you can have a coffee, right. the hotels are open. So uh, the Ukrainians don't pretend like it's the end of the world. They're They're getting on with their lives. The Middle East is a different story, and, and you know when we say Middle East, we, we have a true. You could spend twenty years doing right. history stories about right. why this guy doesn't like that guy, who took right. over this place, and et cetera, et cetera. But what's what's critical about the Middle East is the connection to the U.S. We 
We, we have two things about the, the current conflict between um, Palestinians and the Israelis, is that it affects the global market. You know, you, you have the Arab nations, which many of them are, are petro-dictatorships, pushing back, and they're going to jack up uh, fuel prices, you know, if, if, if they don't see things happening their way. Uh, we have a huge uh, group of people in the states that are split. You know, typically older Republicans support Israel and younger sort of left-wing Democrats uh, support Gaza. And you have this dynamics that's got nothing to do with what's happening in the states. It's happening, you know, thousands of miles away. So that's what makes the Middle East so interesting is that it echoes around the world. But tell me, like, then to your point about the landmass, these are fairly compacted countries. They're not, I mean, Ukraine is mostly like, right, wheat fields and farms and whatever. Right. But th this is um, this is different. And so everybody's kind of on top of each other. And that, that rarely works out well. Well, okay, so, so Ukraine doesn't do a lot of lobbying. You know, when, when something happens, uh, Israel has a very sophisticated PR arm that immediately launches things into social media. And then uh, Gaza will launch thousands of pictures of dead children and explosions and screaming people. So we see it in our living rooms. We see it on our phones. It's, when you look at Ukraine, it looks a little bit more professional. You see people in you know tanks and planes right. and helicopters and whatever. It doesn't have the same sense of horror that the war in the Middle East does. So it, it's a lot more impactful emotionally. And also, uh, because it's cyclical, it's also very depressing. You know, because we kind of know that it'll calm down and happen again, calm down, happen again, as it has for many years. So it, it, trauma it traumatizes them. Uh, the, this one seemed spontaneous. Or, I mean, it, it wasn't, there doesn't seem to be a cause that I'm, I can find, a trigger for why Hamas did that when they did it, where they did it, and to the the degree that they did it. I, you know, I I think we're used to them throwing missiles at each other or whatever, but this wasn't that. Well, let me let me tell you something. First of all, you got to go to Gaza to understand that the, this this is a terrible place to live in. I mean, it's it's not <laughs> some place you would choose uh, to be in. It's, everything's compressed. Everything is you can't get out. I mean, it's just it's a terrible place to live. Secondly, I told you about the cyclical nature of this. When they had the Abraham Accords, they literally ignored the Palestinians. You know, that was supposed to be a peace deal. It didn't shape Palestine or new country or anything. Nothing happened. And, um, you know, I, it doesn't matter who you blame, but the point is that we've had a series of peace deals and then failures and then flare-ups. So it's expected. I mean, if, if you put people under pressure for that long and you have that many young people that are unemployed and you have people stirring them up with rhetoric, they're going to do something. The, the thing that was shocking was the, was the intelligence failure and the number of casualties caused by uh, Hamas, who then broke out into the southern part of Israel. And I think Israel's still traumatized by that. Yeah, I, I think I keep coming back to that rock concert, that peace concert. Sort of a little mini Woodstock or something, or a Burning Man. It was, it was and, a rave, yeah, it was a rave. Yeah, but that raid on that group, that there was a, a brutality to that. That it, 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 yeah, but that 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 seemed pretty. And then all of the people and the families, and I know that that goes both ways. But there was something about it was very personal. It seemed like 
on the... Okay, so let's zoom back because okay. 9-11 was about as brutal as you can get. You know, right. the slaughter of 3,000 people. Right. Um, and, and to be very cold and clinical, if, if someone is killed by having their head cut off or shrapnel cuts their head off when a bomb is dropped on them, you know, it, it, is that the same? In other words, is terrorism created at different levels? And all I can see is that we get dragged into these things as having to choose a side or to, and I can say you can condemn both sides, you can support both sides, you can ignore both sides, because what Hamas did was a deliberate terrorist attack to get attention and to create that same cycle of violence and then peace talks and then money flows and they steal the money and then they settle down and then they stir, you know, stir it up again. And, and if you look at your history, it's just like this constant cycle of violence and, and negotiation and violence, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, a, it's a terrible situation. It's not going to end anytime soon. As you look at the map, as you know, going back to dangerous places, mm -hmm. what's the next big place that you're worried about having traveled? Well, I, I'm worried about the UAE, which is Abu Dhabi, a very small little uh, oil-rich country has a very methodical plan of slicing up African countries. And, you know, they they started with Yemen. They, they went on to Libya. They're operational in Sudan by supporting uh, the, you used to call them the Janjaweed in the south, splitting that country in half. They're active in Ethiopia, Eritrea. And essentially they're, they're trying to create chaotic situations that favor their sort of uh, peace and stability. And it even reaches out to this country. You know, we're a very divided nation, and we must ask ourselves, why are we so eager to argue with somebody who doesn't believe in what we believe in? And this is the trend we have to watch out for, is, is the deliberate manipulation of ideas, opinions, you know, sort of into right or wrong, left or right. And this is something that is fairly new. You know, it happened in the last 15, 20 years. And also social media has exacerbated it. Yeah, I think but so. We are being manipulated to be weaker, to be divisive, as opposed to being unified. And and this is the danger that I see. And this is, you know, I'm working on a new edition of Dangerous Places. And I don't think people realize how often during the day they're assaulted by ideas, images, things designed specifically to manipulate them. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's very interesting because... I don't I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of the UAE of all the places you would have mentioned because they've got it you know pretty good. I mean the the people that live in the UAE live very well. Um I know there's a citizenship thing where you have to have a a job in the Emirates in order to be able to to stay and as soon as you don't you got to go and all the you know there's there's citizenship has obviously is done in tiers and all of that. But at the same time, why why are they rocking the boat? What well, what's in it for let's them? Get, let's be fair. Everybody does this. You know, we do it. Russia does it. China does it. Everybody jumps in there and tries to manipulate people. But this particular organization, which you know, it's, it's a family. The Bonnie Fatima, six brothers, one died, um, is terrified. Remember Arab Spring? That these yeah. guys were one demonstration away from being kicked out of their own country. So. A lot of these, including Saudi Arabia, has, has sort of said, okay, we have to be proactive. We have to go get people that don't like uh, dictatorships. And, and they call it the Muslim Brotherhood, which is essentially politicized Islam. In other words, the, the Muslim Brotherhood doesn't believe that one family should rule a nation, just like we didn't think that city states and royalty should run countries. And Arab Spring scared the hell out of these people. So they, they came up with this, you know, a plan to basically destabilize and control potential threats. But so that this is all about then going on offense as a good defense. Yeah. Well, here's, here's something for you. Putin spends almost $500 million a day to prosecute the war against Ukraine. That's insane. Now, if you could elect someone that would right. simply stop funding Ukraine, what's it worth to you? Right. Exactly. Pennies on the dollar, right? Right. If, if someone is angry at Saudi Arabia because of their human rights violations and their sort of archaic view of things, what does it cost to change the government in this country or Europe to find someone who who says, oh, that's okay with me, you know, we're friends now. So there's a huge danger in this soft, corrosive invasion into countries that are sort of, you know, moralistic and high and mighty by groups that have a lot more money and a lot more time on their hands to degrade what we call the, you know, the the liberal democracy theory that we created after World War Two, right? You know, uh, when you're traveling in these countries, and by the way, I really like your website photo 
um, a lot of people they make they make their own website and they pick the weirdest photos of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you look you like you look like the guy who we'd be making a film. Who are the soldiers who were behind you on the boat, top of the oh, fold on we your have website? To get up to a, the, we were tipped off that there's going to be an attack by Riak Mashar, who was the vice president hiding in the bush. And we had to get up the river to get to this battle. And they, you know, they send soldiers with you because people will rob you or whatever. But it's really just an employment scheme, right? So I said, yeah, come on, let's, I'll get some right. guys. If you watch Saving South Sudan, you know, the whole, I could explain the whole story there. But um, the, the funny thing is, is that I, I rarely take pictures of myself, you know. And so that, that right. was taken by Tim Frescia, who was the photographer I had with me. But some of them are rather incongruous because why is this guy in a boat and you know, who are these people and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I have a collection of a few crazy photos. But, but that's not them, crazy. You know? that, that, semiotically, as we would say, that's a great photo. It, it tells a story. I don't, I don't know what the story is about what's going on behind you what's that that somebody's going to get into trouble yeah <laughs> that's what it looks like but the funny thing i mean it's perfect you know you've got your your eye line is drawn to the center which actually draws you right to your mustache and then you go be you go and you look at the faces of the guys behind you and they're perfect like they were posing for this um and you look pensive and you look like a guy who's who's on a mission and that's kind of the whole story then i think of your of your website yeah. well, well that, that's the cruel affliction of resting bitch face you know it's something <laughs> i don't know i don't know but, you know the thing the, the premise was i was bringing back a child soldier to fix south sudan and and what he didn't tell me is that Rick Bashar, the warlord that we were hunting down in the bush had actually killed his father oh no and it was a very, for him, it was a very traumatic experience to see all these people chopped up and burned and raped with spears. And it was just sure. a terrible event. But he he was just happy to get back to managing a Costco. Yeah, I bet. Robert, how, how have you survived? Oh, Why are you, you still go. here? <laughs> so I'm either like Mr. Magoo. You know, have you ever watched the old Mr. Magoo? Sure, I remember. Oh, we're going. Right. Or, or people, my theory is that people want to get me to where I'm going and they want to get me back alive so I can tell the story. And, and I have been in some horrendous situations. You know, I've been kidnapped and marched to gunpoint through the jungles of Colombia. I've been, you know, hit with shells and whatever, plane crashes. I truly believe that if you develop a relationship with people, they'll do their best to, to get you somewhere. They'll say, don't go there. Or go there, uh, you know. For example, I was hounding a, a, a mullah who's a friend of Mullah Omar's and a friend of Bin Laden's, and we're in the coast, the border area of Afghanistan. And I kept bugging him that I wanted to interview this guy who had shelled his convoy and tried to kill him. And he said, "Okay, I'll set it up." So he sets it up, and then at the last minute, he calls me. He says, "I can't do it. I can't do it." He said, "He he paid me money so he could kidnap you because his son was arrested the day before, and he wants to trade you." So I can't do it. So just stuff like that, you know. Yeah. I, again, you know, I don't know why I'm alive. I, I, I never imagined I would live past, you know, 35 or 40, but <laughs> here I am. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.